This is Jeremy, and you're listening to Bucket Talk, powered by Brunt. This week, we're talking to Kyle Stumpenhorse. Listen in to how he went from a job in IT to becoming one of the most renowned post-frame builders in the world. This is Bucket Talk, a weekly podcast for people who work in the trades and construction that aren't just trying to survive, but have the ambition and desire to thrive. The opportunity in the trades and construction is absolutely ridiculous right now. So if you're hungry, it's time to eat. We discuss what it takes to rise from the bottom to the top with people who are well on their way and roll up their sleeves every single day. I'd like to share your story with uh, our listeners today. Sure, man. You want me to just start at the beginning, kind of? Yeah, background, who you are and, and uh, where you where you came from and how you got here today. Sure, sure. So it's kind of an interesting story um, because I didn't... You know, I didn't ever dream of doing the trades. I didn't uh, think it was where I was going to end up. I was kind of on a path to being a computer science, an IT person. I went to college for that, got a degree, had a pretty good job in the city, working for a pretty good uh, company, and had, a, I mean, just all around a great thing going right out of the gate. And um, I'd never held a job like that in the, you know, in the actual, I guess, professional arena. You know, it was always side jobs and whatnot. But Working for somebody, working every day, uh, nine to five in an office, it literally took me less than a year, I think, to realize that I just didn't want to do that. And to make you know somewhat of a long story short, I just happened to be uh, in the process of purchasing a home from my wife's family. Uh, at that time, we weren't married. We were, we were engaged, and her mother and father had a a farmhouse. They're big farmers in the area and they had a farmhouse that hadn't been lived in in a while and it was close to them. So they were like, Hey, you know, you guys should, should buy this from us, you know, move into it. You'll be close and all that good stuff. And so I was seeing it as an opportunity like, well, Hey, maybe I'll just help, help farm and, um, you know, see what happens. Well, this house needed a ton of work. I mean, it was, it was a, it was a, the type of house that everybody just told me to put it in the hole and plan on building a new one because it was not savable. And my dad, I kind of grew up in a house where my dad and mom would buy an old home and, you know, basically remodel it, you know, take it down to studs. And my dad was a big DIY guy, just did it all himself, learned as he went. And I was always kind of a helper to him. Uh, But I, you know, I never really thought much of it, but when it came to my house, I needed him to help me. He came over nights and weekends for probably two years. I mean, this was a big, big, uh, a big deal. And through that process, you know, I learned quite a bit about remodeling um, and just started to fall in love with it. And one thing led to another. People started asking if me and my dad would do side jobs, maybe a little bathroom here, a deck there. And, you know, he had a job in IT. He was actually in programming software forever. And, you know, it was like a fun thing for him to do on the side. But he was like, I can't commit to ever doing this full time. I've got a good thing going. So I just decided to do it myself, you know, started that remodeling gig where, you know, you can just go buy a couple tools. And I thought I knew everything. Actually, I knew I didn't know a lot because uh, every job I was taking on, it was different. And I had to figure a way out. And I was watching this old house shows, anything I could, you know, back then, this was 2000, probably 2006, 2005 area. Um you know, social media wasn't that big. Like Facebook had just kind of popped out, but there wasn't, you know, people doing YouTube videos about how to do everything. It was kind of like you had to do your old medium and watch, you know, shows and whatever. Um, and I just kind of learned things one at a time. 
uh, till the point where probably five years down the road, I had done houses and additions and, you know, just every residential type project there was. And I was asked to do a garage for my wife's grandpa. Um, and he didn't want just a regular stick frame. He wanted a post frame and I'd never done a post frame. I mean, they're, they're all around my area because I'm in a farm community and every farmer has post frames on their property. And I, I enlisted a buddy who was working for another company to come help me on the weekends. And it took me no time to realize that I just really enjoyed post frame. I was always in love with framing. I loved, you know, cutting and nailing and just building stuff and the gratification that came from that. So when I started post frame, it was like, wow, this is almost all framing. I get to build these huge structures. It doesn't take a ton of time and uh, I get to be outside. So this is awesome. And I did that one job and within, I think less than a year, um, a lot of my friends and family members and neighbors knew I did that because I'm in a small town. They said, oh, well, I want I want you to do a post frame for me. And I took about two years of uh, doing them here and there while I was still doing remodeling gigs and then just finally said, you know what, this is what I want to do. I'm just going to specialize. I'm not going to be a jack of all trades. I'm going to try to become the best, you know, there is. And, um, and that's what I've been trying to do, man. And it brings us to this point where we're at now. Yeah, I mean, that's awesome. I, uh, I'm i going to go a little bit off script here. And something happened to me within the past month, and I'm just kind of running with it. And it, it, what you said earlier kind of resonates with me is the fact that me and my wife, due to COVID and all this stuff, we decided to move our family in a different direction. And we're selling our house, and we're going to look at purchasing a farm. And mm. it's something that I've always wanted to do. I'm a blue collar man uh, by, you know, just from my upbringing, my wife is, you know, done equestrian growing up and, and all that stuff. But it was one of those things that, that for us to make the jump to selling something that is, you know, just fine, have no issues and going to potentially buy a 200 year old house mm. with a barn that's essentially a tinderbox is going to be something that, it's going to be a little bit of a task. So, yeah. uh, what? How? How did you end up? How did you end up tackling that? What was your first step in 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 uh, your whole farmhouse renovation? I mean, it, actually, I take that back. You know what I did? I did do a lot of gutting first, but it was so bad that you know we always told people when they came over to look like, hey, don't don't walk through the middle of the floors. Like always walk along the edges. I mean, there was holes in floors. We we totally dug out the basement because it was an old like five foot tall um, limestone block wall foundation with like a dirt floor and half of it. We just tore it all out. We jacked up the house and put a full size brand new basement. I thought to myself, you know, I don't know a lot about construction, but I do know the foundations are important. And if I'm going to invest my time and energy into this kind of forever home, I mean, it's a family farm. It's not going anywhere. I'm going to spend the money and I'm going to start at the bottom. And we put a new basement under a full nine foot wall. And, you know, that was the first thing that we did that kind of brought life to the whole structure. And uh, it was probably the best decision I made. But then it was just down to the nitty gritty, man. We literally took everything out, the electrical, the plumbing, everything came out down to the stud and it was all uh, it was all put back. And honestly, a lot of the studs were even removed and we, you know, reconfigured and did beams and, and just did it all. 
I mean, and that's kind of what we're up against is, you know, it's a beautiful farmhouse and, you know, it's got planks on the floor that are probably wider than eight inches. And it's uh, the character is unbelievable. But at the same time, you look at it and you're like, you know, there's a lot of issues. So <laughs> they all old homes have issues. And even to this day, that house is still, you know, it's not finished. Old homes never get finished. I mean, it's just right. a constant, it's a constant battle. But that was kind of cool. I mean, dealing with dealing with uh, influencers and people of different trades, I've kind of inspired myself through Bucket Talk to make this this jump myself. Here I am talking to to my audience, and then I realize I'm taking my own advice or other people's advices. And, and it's been it's been quite the journey here with with this podcast to meet people like yourself and learn more and more and more to feel to to essentially empower myself to do something that I would never, ever do in my life. I mean, this is, this is almost a dream come true. Granted, it's going to be hard work and God knows yeah. what I'm up against, but, um, it's, it's that'll nice make it more other. enjoyable. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's nice to hear that somebody else has done it and, and, and they made it through it. And, and, uh, you know, it's, it is enjoyable. Um, yeah. but that leads me to my next point is, you know, what's a day in the life like for you? I mean, nowadays it's a lot different than it was. I mean, back then I didn't have kids and I would come home and just work till literally I was too tired to to keep working. And then I'd wake up, go to my day job and then do it all over again. Now, you know, I wake up pretty early. I'm, a, I'm like a 5.30 a.m. guy, which is early for me. Yeah. Uh, and I usually head off to, uh, I've got a, a workout gym in my shop and um, I usually work out there till let's say 7.30-ish kind of, uh, gather all my stuff, get, get my plan together, head to the job site. And, um, we usually work till about, uh, five o'clock. I mean, you know, give or take sometimes longer, sometimes shorter, depends if I got other, you know, uh, things that I've got to do with that evening with the family or whatnot. But, um, you know, during the week it's work. I mean, I don't seem to have a whole lot of time for anything else, especially, uh, this time of year, because we're getting that cold weather push. So things are becoming, you know, evident that if we don't finish up, we're going to be working in really bad weather. So let's work hard and long. Yeah. But, uh, you know, then I usually spend time with the family. You know, we always try to sit down for dinner, um, talk to the kids about whatever, uh, we've got a thing with my daughter where she just won't let us leave the dinner table till we've done questions, which is, you know, random questions that we ask everybody and get answers to. So it's just, you know, family time. And then, you know, my wife is a principal, so she's a pretty busy person. And my kids are getting to a point where they got homework and stuff. So we usually go our separate ways, do our, our work. And sometimes, man, I'm up till 11, 1130, uh, doing editing for YouTube and Instagram and all the other content, because my job physically stops at five. But then yeah. as a business owner, as a content creator, you just, it doesn't usually stop until, you know, you're tired. So really it's just kind of like the old days, only different priorities. Yeah. That's become my, my new world that I'm trying to get used to is the fact that I went from just being a, a, a tradesperson to now I, you know, have to do Instagram and LinkedIn and all these other avenues. And, you know, right. I'm probably not to your, to your level, but at the same time, it's a lot. And, and, uh, you know, it's rewarding and fulfilling, but it's, it's mm-hmm. amazing. But I did want to get back to your shop. So I took the tour of your shop on YouTube and mm-hmm. I am absolutely impressed. I mean, it's normal, it's messy, it's used, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. But I did have one thing that I wanted to ask you. So the guys that I've been dealing with, uh, Jesse Savage from 
our blacksmith podcast and and Roy from uh, Vintage Axe Works uh, brought us through a whole axe working podcast. Uh, you had done something with Jimmy DeResta, which is amazing from the Makers mm-hmm. Movement. What'd you guys do with him? Um, he found me on Instagram back in probably like 2015 or 16 when I got started. I mean, yeah. I probably had less than, I mean, I had maybe a couple thousand followers and <laughs> this guy reaches out to me in a DM and is like, hey man, I want you to come build a shop for me in New York. And I'm like, dude, I'm in Illinois. I'm not coming to New York. I got more than enough work here. And I just let it go. And a funny story is like a year later, I get a message from a guy named Donnie Carter. Maybe you've heard of him. He does a podcast too. I think it's the Green Woodworker podcast or something. Anyway, okay, I'll check it he, out. Yeah, he's like, Kyle, uh, I got to tell you, man, I was just up in New York at this guy's place. His name's Jimmy DeResta. He was doing a class and we were learning blacksmithing or something. And he kept talking about he needed to get, you know, rural renovators over to his place to build a shop. And I'm like, I know that guy. Uh, I know I just met him over Instagram, but he's like, you got to do it. You got to do it. I'm like, I don't even, why? Well, who is Jimmy Duresta? He's like, <laughs> he's like, go look him up. So I did. I seen he had a million plus YouTube followers and he'd been on TV and, you know, seemed like he had a great following. And um, I was like, oh man, I don't know if I really want to do this. I mean, it's, it's a, I got a young family. I don't want to be away, but I just said, you know what? Okay. We're going to make the commitment. We'll do it. And honestly, that was the thing that jumped started my YouTube. I I'd never done YouTube. Uh, I went out there to meet Jimmy on like a cold, cold February day. I flew out there for the weekend just to meet him, see his site, get his feelings and, uh, see what he wanted to do. And he was like, dude, you gotta do YouTube this could be your first YouTube video series or something. And yeah, man, he pushed me. Um, I got in way over my head, had no idea what I was doing. And, uh, you know, now three, I think that was in 2017, uh, three years later, you know, pushing on almost half a million subs and it's part of my business now. I mean, that's, that is part of my business. Uh, that, I mean, that, that jumps ahead in my show structure here, but that's amazing. I mean, uh, it's, it's funny. I never even heard of him either until, like I said, I started doing this podcast and learned about the, the whole makers movement. And that's, yeah. that's un- unbelievable in its own right. You know, all these guys out there blacksmithing and, and uh, leather working and doing all this uh, cool stuff. And, and Jimmy's mm-hmm. one of the, the OGs in that. So that, that yeah. kind of stuck out to me. I was like, how, how'd you end up teaming up with him? So, yeah, it's uh, crazy. So his shop's cool. And, and that was all you. Yeah, yeah, me and Greg, the kid that um, I say kid, he's ten years younger than me, but uh, um, we're all getting older. He, we went out there and we worked sixteen days straight. We took off a half a day on a Sunday because uh, Jimmy's idea was to have a little get together at a shop. We had about maybe thirty or forty people show up. I mean, they drove from. I know one guy drove like six or eight hours. Uh, it was an awesome time. We got just hung out and. Um, you know, at the same time when I was there, this old house was there uh, filming a, a video series with Jimmy. And I got to meet Kevin O'Connor for the first time. And now, you know, I'd call him a friend. We talk and, uh, yeah, just really a lot of crazy things all from, you know, doing Instagram. You know, people think it's silly or ridiculous. Don't take the time. Just work. You know, don't take time to take a picture and a video and whatever. Just do your job. But, you know, for me, it was my outlet. It was a way to express myself and I found a community of people that enjoyed what I enjoyed and I was able to share that versus you know when you when you're living in the construction world 
and you're in a small community, there's a handful or a dozen other construction workers or contractors that own their own small business. They're not your friends. They don't want to be your friend. They don't want to share with you. They don't want to help you. They don't want to, you know, give you secrets or trade tips. They don't want to tell you how to bid a job because you're their competition. But I never really looked at it that way. Like to me, it was kind of like, dude, there's so much work out here. We're, We're literally drowning in work because there's not enough of us. Like, you know, we should help each other out. And, um, I just started sharing stuff on, you know, the internet and how I did things. And, and really it was selfish. I wanted people to, to see what we did, how we took special care to do it. Not just, it wasn't about making the money, you know, the money was the necessity to keep it going, but you know, we actually enjoyed what we do. We have a good time and we try to do our best. And, And by sharing that people could learn it without me having to force it down their throats through advertising. Yeah. I mean, that's super cool. And, uh, you know, you mentioned that you had, you have kids Yep. with your kids. Do you take them on the job site? Do you want this for them? Are they taking an interest? I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I think every, I think every, probably every contractor out there looks at his kids and thinks, man, it'd be great to get free labor out of them when they get older. (laughs) Um, you know, or, uh, Hey, when I'm too tired to do this, I hope they take it over because you've created something. But, you know, for me, I don't think that's even that's not even something I consider or think about really at all anymore. To me, yeah. if if my if my son or daughter either one of them want to do it, I would support them. I would give them everything that I know and I would, you know, help them transition. Uh but I would support them if they wanted to, you know, go do anything. It doesn't matter as long as they're doing their best. Like that's all I care about and that they're happy. But my son, you know, I just got a mini X. I just got a partnership with Kubota recently, uh, Kubota tractor. And I've got a mini X now. And I, I was like, Hey, Cole, come out with me on Saturday. We're going to go to the shop and I'll let you, you know, play in this mini X. And he's like, yeah, okay. Yeah, whatever. And as soon as he, got in there and started doing it. I, I basically, after three hours, I was like, all right, dude, we got to go eat lunch. It's one 30. Uh, and, and he was just like, dad, I, I got to come back. I got to do this again. He's like, I could do this every day. There's something amazing about doing this with my hands and just moving dirt. And I was like, wow, wow. Like I just maybe sparked something, but that was probably the first time I'd seen that from him. So here comes the excavation company. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, and that's, and that's cool. I mean, I, I, I love that. And I think that the trend has changed from, from, and I don't know how old you are, but I'm, I'm 35. And the, the trend when I was growing up was we don't want our kids, even tradesmen, we don't want our kids going into the trades. You know, we don't want them doing what we're doing. There's a better yeah. life out there, but it seems now that people like yourself and myself, we're not necessarily pushing, but at the same time, we're not shying away either. We're oh, not. Of- yeah. I mean, to think about it, like I think about the the first job I had out of college and the money I made, it was good money, but I was, I was literally confined to a office. And if, if, if more people could experience like the trades and doing something with your hands where you actually have gratification on the daily, where you see... Yeah you see your work versus, you know, you see a pile of papers on your desk and you don't necessarily know what you did. There's a lot of power in that. And I think that 
yeah, it was looked down on for a long time. Um, but people that say you're not going to make money in the trades or you're not going to live a good life or it's going to be, you know, miserable, they just don't even know. That's just, you know, I think ignorance. And, and that's why it's so cool to have a platform like I do now where I can share just how good it can be. And honestly, you don't need to be like super smart. You don't, you just have to work hard and you have to like, you know, be persistent. And, uh, anybody could really build something for themselves, especially now when there's such a shortage of good, hardworking tradespeople in, in anywhere in the, in the U S. You know what? And, that, and that's actually, that resonates with me a little bit more too, because I, I've never actually shared this, this aspect of it, but I'm not, I'm not really good at math, but you know, as a welder, um, and, and, you know, certain jobs I do as a mechanic, it requires me to do math. And, and one of the things that I've, I've kind of, um, cheated with was, is I, I trace things a lot as opposed to, to measuring them out or, or what have you. And so I found ways to cope mm-hmm. with my inability to, to do math equations or, or whatever. It doesn't make me less smart. It just, it, I've had to create a different avenue for myself uh, to get the job done. So yeah, this, the, the trades and working with your hands allows you to, uh, to compensate for things that you're not normally good at. And, and that's, yeah, that's one of the things that. Right. I, I think that, I think that, you know, people, it used to be, Hey, you can't make it or cut it in school. You're probably going to be a, a welder, a mechanic or a carpenter or whatever. Yeah. other blue college. <laughs> And that's so, that's so far from the truth. I mean, I was valedictorian of my class. I had a perfect, you know, perfect GPA. I got scholarships to go to college, went to a good four-year college. I, I, by all definition, should have never been a tradesman. You know, like that was that was not what the yearbook said Kyle was going to grow up and be because, you know, he was a smart student. And even to this day, like I can learn pretty easily, you know, um, education wise. But that did not say that I couldn't become a tradesman. And it doesn't say that if you can't make it, you know, in school like your only path is a tradesman and that's a bad thing because like you said I think that the beauty of being a carpenter or a welder or any of those blue collar jobs is that you know people don't necessarily learn in a school setting that well but when they are finding passion in like what they're doing they become they become so you know into it that like you said you find ways to to become better and you know learn yourself so it's just a it's a totally different mentality. I think a lot of people are kind of not lied to that is is possible, but I think I think it is, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I, another thing I, I like to get into is, you know, any issues or or unspoken trends you see in your trade um that nobody really likes to talk about. Uh you seeing anything in your trade that like that? Um I don't, you know, I don't know about any super negative things. I think that, you know, believe it or not, um, I think because of a lot of the social media aspect of what, you know, I do and what a bunch of, I mean, more, more every day, it seems tradesmen, they're coming out and doing more stuff like that sharing. Um, I, I go places and people are like, dude, I never knew what a post frame was. I just figured, you know, barns were, uh, you know, cheap, crappy type buildings. And like, if you couldn't cut it as a contractor, you could become a post frame builder because it's so, you know, it has such a negative aura around it in general. Really? 
Oh yeah, totally. I mean, that, that's kind of like, you know, when I, even, I guess even when I started, I would have thought like, Oh, well, post frame builders. I mean, that's kind of like, you know, you're not building a custom home. Like you don't have to have much skill. Uh, but it's, it's so untrue. And the trend, I mean, the amount of people that call me now and, uh, or I run into, they're saying like, that's how they want their house built. They don't want traditional house. They want a post room house. They want this barn dominium appeal. The, the, I feel like the industry has been able to be changed through, um, social media because people are learning. They're being, you know, um, inundated with so much content. Uh, and I try to push as much as possible on the positives or the possibilities that just otherwise, you know, the industry wasn't really sharing because it was, it was pretty status quo. Well, uh, I'll, I'll speak to that too. You know, as I'm putting my house on the market, uh, my wife and uh, mainly my wife, but I was along for the process. My wife chose a house that was a, a Sears craftsman house and um, it was an old bungalow style and we gutted it, saved the character and, you know, she took pride in, in the, the crown molding and all the woodworking features and stuff. She didn't do it herself, but you know, she, she definitely, uh, she was the GC on the job essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, it, you know, now as we're selling it, um, people are looking for that, that spec house build, the whitewashed interior, the white cabinets, everything. So, you know, it's a little frustrating to see people, come through and pick apart the details and the craftsmanship that that was put into your house. But it, it, I think for me, one of the biggest, you know, um, downsides of, of this is that we've, we're building these cheap houses that mm-hmm. don't last long. And, you know, I'm on a, I'm on a, um, a foundation that's just a rock foundation and it's been here for years, but somebody comes into my basement and they're like, Oh, is this going to last? And it's like, yes, it's been here forever. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. So sometimes the old way is actually better. And I, and I, you know, I completely agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, uh, perception is obviously always, you know, going to be either good or bad. And that's why I just try to share the real life every day and people can take it for whatever it is. You know, I mean, they have to, <laughs> they have to do whatever they want with it. <laughs> so <laughs> lightly, I went, uh, one of, one of our guests, Anna of all trades, when I asked her this question, she completely blew me away because I didn't even really know how to respond to it. So I said, do you have an unspoken trend in, in the woodworking industry? And she said, yes, epoxy pours. <laughs> I, was uh, like, oh. <laughs> so, uh, I can see, I can so, see her saying that. <laughs> so it's just one of those things that like, you know, it could be anything. And, and, uh, yeah, no, I, I didn't know that about the post and frame. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it has a very negative, you know, most people think, Oh, like you build barns. It's like, well, okay. What people used to do by sticking a, a telephone pole in the ground, you know, and just, uh, throwing up some steel on the outside. That's not what we do. I mean, our, my thing was going from custom homes is what I did. I built custom homes, uh, towards the end of my residential career. And I took all of that kind of, um, I guess, quality centric mindset and tried to put it towards post frame, which was typically, you know, the guy that came and helped me that weekend or two to do my wife's grandpa. Uh, you know, his thing was always, I mean, he grew, he'd been in the post frame industry for probably since high school. I went to school right. with him. So at that point, 10 years, and it was always, ah, 
you know, it's an even lean or uh, it's going to look good from the road, you know, because in general, people don't nitpick a detail on a barn. Um, so when I started nitpicking my own details and realizing that, you know, this could be done better or cleaner, people started to take notice. And I think that's where like, you know, the trend and the thought process that I've been trying to change for the last three or four years on social media, I, I genuinely think is happening. I mean, contractors have reached out to me in different States and said, Hey, my customer, you know, we're building them a barn and they keep saying, well, we want it done this way. There's a guy in Illinois that does it this way. And this is how we want you to do it. And they're like, Hey, that's like, you know, at first I was kind of offended by this and I'm like, who is this guy? But you know, thank you. Like I've learned a lot of different ways to do things. And it's not that my way's right. It's that if you don't learn other ways, you can't make that determination, you know? And so I try to share so that someone else can learn something, but also so that other people that are doing it differently can reach out to me and they do and say, Hey, have you ever thought of doing this? And it just makes me better too. So it's, you know, it's a, it's a full circle. Yeah, no, I, I like, I like that aspect because, you know, sometimes when I do uh, post pictures and, or comment on something or, or what have you, I'm always waiting for that person that, that tells me that I'm doing it wrong or, or, you know, and, and gives no explan- explanation, but I'm, I'm honestly trying to put my work out there wrong or right for somebody to either to look at and say, Oh, this is, you know, this is something I can do or, or whatever. I mean, everybody mm-hmm. knows that there's different ways to do things and not, and it's not always the right way or, the, right. the, the sought after way, but you know, we get it done at the end of the day. Yep. That's, that's the, uh, that's what makes a good carpenter, a good carpenter. They can solve the problem and make it look good. Right. 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 So uh, tell me about a cool builder project you've been excited about or done. I mean, we touched on Jimmy's um, barn, but you, you have anything else that you want to do or. That well, I mean, I mean, I do have uh, I mean, I think the projects I'm working on currently are pretty next level for what I've done. Um, yeah. But uh, I've got a project in the works that I haven't talked about yet. Um, it's a pretty local project. I only usually do local. Jimmy was the only time I traveled. But yeah. um, it's uh, it's if we do it and we and it continues, I mean, it, it could be a pretty epic house barn. So uh, uh, kind of the whole barn dominium thing. And uh, we're talking indoor indoor pool. Um, you know, the whole nine yards. And I, I think it could be a really, really cool, great setting, uh, great customer. And, uh, yeah, we're just in the process of kind of the design is done and now it's, you know, the fun part of figuring out what it's going to cost and go that route, which is never, never that fun actually. So, you know, maybe it's just the content that I peruse on a daily basis, but do you think that the, the housing trend is, is, is changing from, you know, McMansion, large 90s style houses to more personal, um, older style homes? Uh, you know, I'm not, I guess I'm not the guy to ask because I don't, I don't really, <laughs> I, I don't do a ton of homes. I mean, yeah, this yeah. whole, I would say in the last couple of years, the calls for uh, post frame buildings with houses inside has probably quadrupled. I mean, I would say every other call is usually hey, I want to do this building and I want to put a house in it. So I would say no, because most people are building, I mean, I mean, the building that we're on right now, this house is 40 by 72. So that's 2,800 square foot, two stories. Um, that's a lot of space, you know, and I think there's other one with the pool. I mean, they're large, but I'm in a little bit of a unique, uh, where are you at actually, Jeremy? 
I'm in Massachusetts, so I'm outside the Boston area. Okay. I mean, your area is night and day different than my area. We've got, you know, people are on five acre farmettes and uh, that five acres probably didn't cost what a quarter acre cost, you know, in your area. And so people are starting to sprawl out from Chicago and they, they're, you know, they're able to afford and build, you know, pretty large, you know, these large structures and the, the guys all want, you know, be able to put their, you know, whatever sports car or their RV or their boat, they want it all right there in this monster garage with, uh, you know, the home attached. So it's a pretty, pretty unique. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's what we're seeing right now is, is the housing market has boomed outside of Boston because it seems like, you know, with remote learning and, and people working remotely that, you know, yep. the call for space is, is, you know, there's no need to be in the city anymore. So, you know, now there's this, this allure of the suburbs and we're, it's on fire out here. <laughs> yeah. Same here. My brother just sold their house and I mean, they had 12 showings within the first weekend uh, and it was, you know, four full offers within the first week and it's gone, you know, and everybody's having that same experience because like you said, people are working from home. They don't need to be in the city. Right, right, right. And I think the whole dynamic is changing for the future too. I mean, I'm not going to say that everybody's job is going to be remote, but you know, the fact that we've done this for so long, I think that people are seeing the writing on the wall that they could potentially have flex hours and work from home. And so, so the call, the call for more space is, is becoming more eminent, I guess. Right. Um, So tools of the trade. So when you started out, what'd you start out with? Because I think that's the biggest thing. Everybody knows that, you know, you have everything now. I have (laughs) everything now. We've been in the trades for so long that um, for, for us to actually name all the stuff we have is ridiculous. But when you first started out, when you switched from the IT field to uh, what you're doing right now, um, what was your go-to? I mean, mean, did you go to Home Depot and did you buy a DeWalt? I mean, what, where were you? Well, the cool, I mean, I can remember my dad bought me my first skill saw, uh, seven and a quarter worm drive, magnesium base, you know, the whole nine yards. And it was like, this is the best saw I've had mine forever. You know, he had it always with him, and he's like, this will last you the rest of your life. Um, and it was awesome. It was heavy. I, I just remember like being, you know, scared of it. Uh, yeah. and obviously as a remodeling, you know, getting going in remodeling, I bought, I always wanted, and I bought my, my own Sawzall, Milwaukee Sawzall. I got the super Sawzall with the orbital action, man, all, <laughs> all corded. And, um, and then I remember buying my first, during the process of building my house, I had to shore up the house with a ton of different beams and I built all my own beams and, uh, glued and nailed, you know, all this stuff together. And I remember doing like my first couple by hand And then I told my dad, I'm like, dad, we're not doing this for the rest of this job. Like I went and bought a, you know, a 30 degree, uh, framing nail or pneumatic. And it was just like, oh my God, you know, I've been doing this whole thing growing up, you know, helping my dad build and stand walls, pound nails. And I've been missing out my whole life on this pneumatic framing nailer. So those were like the three, you know, key tools, um, didn't have any special hammers or, you know, obviously I had an S wing, I think that's what everybody has when they start out. It seems at least in my area. Um, but yeah, I mean, those were the core tools, man, all corded. And and it's crazy to think in what, 15 years, uh, how everything, I mean, I don't, I don't really own a corded tool. I mean, I, I never plug in a power tool, uh, maybe some pneumatic guns, but, um, 
Yeah, cords are like a thing of the past. Crazy. Yeah, I'm, I'm phasing. I do have some corded tools, and I do have a lot of pneumatic tools. But yeah, I mean, we're we're in Milwaukee and Dewalt territory now. Um, you know, I just made the jump to get a half inch gun at the tune of whatever four hundred dollars. It's ridiculous, mm-hmm. but um, it's gonna like yeah, it's 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 night and day. I you know I'm not dragging hoses through cars or over yep. cars and tripping on them. I mean, it's just it's it's actually liberating in, in, in its own right. Um, yeah. And a lot of time I, I find that a lot of these cordless tools, battery powered are, are better, smoother, quieter, and just, I think in general, like more fun to use than anytime you have to plug anything in. Oh, and they're only going to get better. So, I mean, yep. I talked with, uh, one of the plumbers, um, OG plumb God, and he was saying that how he went from, uh, having this massive, you know, the, the 18 volt, 20 volt system back down to 12 volt because he's just sleeker and lighter and just, and, and that was kind of an interesting thought process for them is, is that he didn't need all that power. He just needed something small and light and mm-hmm. carry with him on job. So that was cool. Yeah. Um, so single thing that's changed your career, you, uh, you had mentioned the Jimmy DeResta thing again, as I, as yeah, I'm I- repeating myself, but. I think that probably that, I mean, that probably put me down the path to, you know, the change in my career. I mean, you know, for me, building is, is quite frankly, very, I would say easy, you know, there's always a challenge, but building is pretty easy. And I I think I have a a pretty good case of ADD. I I have a hard time keeping focus. Um, I like constant change. I like challenge and, you know, starting the social media thing brought a ton of energy back to like what I was doing. I loved my job, but it wasn't challenging. I mean, it was, it was like, Oh, build an, build another barn, build another shop, uh, garage. Like these are, these are really easy. Like I love doing it, but now I'm filming it. I'm taking pictures. I'm helping share the technique or the process. Um, that's like a whole new challenge. And the good thing is like, it's never, it should never really die because there's always more to learn. There's always new tools to do it with. Um, new products are always coming out. And so it's afforded me, you know, not only a way to stay engaged in what I do and have, um, you know, really just motivation to keep getting better, but it's, it's, it's actually, you know, added to my business. I mean, there's, there's money to be made. Um, and yeah, it's just a totally new, like a new thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I mentioned that before, it, you know, I was stagnant in my trade and then out of nowhere, I decided to do this with a buddy of mine and it really brought life back into to what I did. And, you know, it, and as you're sitting there watching people and you're checking out now, it's TikTok and Twitch. And, mm-hmm. you know, when we were growing up, it was just my space and that was kind of cool. And now all of a sudden we're we're in a world of, of social media platforms and, and we're trying to stay relevant and it's, it's, it's a challenge in its own right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. Uh, yeah. So when you, when you're, when you're done, uh, besides playing questions with your daughter, what, what's, uh, what's your release? What do you, what do you do to, uh, relax? Uh, I play call of duty currently. That's, that's, uh, that's kind of my, when I'm at the point of no return and I'm sitting and looking at my computer screen and I've, entered QuickBooks or edited a video and like, I'm just tired. I'll play some, uh, call of duty with my son, with, uh, Greg, the guy that works for me, he gets on, you know, a couple buddies. That's, that's the current thing. 
because the weather's getting crappy and it's dark out. But like in the summertime, it was uh, going bike riding. Um, there's a couple single track um, courses by me, and my son's now into that with me. So like it's kind of some good father son bonding time. Um, yeah, yeah. Those those two things I would say are it's either that or work probably. Yeah, no, I mean I'm getting to spend more and more time with my my children and uh, how old are your kids? So I got a four-year-old and a six-year-old. Okay. And as and literally as we were doing the podcast, my daughter she used the bathroom, flushed the toilet, and I'm like, "Jeez, I'm trying to." <laughs> but she's she's hysterical. She loves everything I do. She wants to be part of it, and that's and, yeah, uh, eat it yeah, up. Just, yeah, exactly. And then they don't want anything to do with you as they get older. So that'll be great. But well, I think that just depends on how you parent, man. You know, they'll they'll still want they'll still want a lot to do with you. It's just I think everybody gets so busy. I find myself doing the same thing, and you know, if you just take a couple minutes, you realize, oh yeah, uh, let's let's go for a bike ride, man. And then it's the best time ever, you know. Well, well, that was kind of the reason behind the whole farm thing. I think that you know we were getting lost in the soccer games and the lacrosse games and all the stuff that you know we wanted to bring family back to. Uh, a basic uh, format and, 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 you know, rewarding. So sure. the idea of a farm was, was something that we could all wrap our head around the kid, you know, love livestock and horses and, mm-hmm. and what have you. And it was, it was something that I think everybody in the family could pick something good out of. And it was like, you know what, maybe we need to just get back down to basics, slow things down. And sure. you know, I, I, I hope it works out. Um, I've heard a lot of good things about, about doing, making this move. So, um, you know, I'm hoping it's, I have the same, uh, same experience, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think the good thing was this, I mean, maybe I'm the only person, but the pandemic has, no, nope, uh, you are 100% right. Keep yeah. It, it, it slowed everything down. I mean, the same sort of thing. We don't do all the traveling stuff, but we do have, you know, dance and we have football and we have uh, gymnastics and track. And it was like, all that stopped and yes, we were home going crazy, but at the same time it was kind of like a nice reset to say, okay, how much of this stuff do we really want to do? You know, how much do we really need to do? Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens when things, you know, pick up. I, I think we'd be, I think I would probably be uh, lying to myself if I said that we wouldn't, wouldn't start doing it again, but you know, for the kids sake, but at the same time, it's been a really nice reset. Yeah, I mean, I was I, I I haven't really mentioned this in full length, but um, I was laid off for five months for the first time in my entire life wow. during COVID, and it was to take care of my kids, you know, mm-hmm. and you know my wife could work remotely, and I decided to step up to the plate and become um, the the stay at home parent. And it was probably the most rewarding thing I've ever done in my life. And I will never take that time back. It was hard. And mm-hmm. it was it was definitely, it would have been easier to go to work and turn wrenches. I'll tell you that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I, COVID it has, has, has had some pluses for me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. But if you've listened, which I hope you have, uh, in prior episodes, I talk about being a shit. Diehard Chevy guy. I like Chevy trucks. They're, you know, we I plowed in them. I drive them. You know, my wife's got a truck. I got a Tahoe. What do you drive for work? What is what is your uh, poison when it comes to vehicles? Well, I guess we can be friends because I'm a GM guy. Also, I mean, I'm a GMC <laughs> guy. Um, right. You know, I've I've had uh, the last 
three trucks were GMC Sierras. I had a 25, uh, and then I've had two 3500s, and um, I did just get a 2020. Um, you know, re- when it came out, I ordered it prior to it coming out, and I I I love it, but I couldn't let go of my 16. Uh, so I kept, I kept it and now I have these two trucks and, uh, I, people give me a hard time about it all the time, but it's like, man, that 16 is just a great work truck. And I just can't get this new truck like that dirty. I just don't want to take it to work and get it full of sawdust and scratched up from tools and everything else, you know? Yeah. My, my 15 got totaled and I got a 19 and, you know, to no fault of GM, but I feel like they got out of the square body body style a little too quick for me. I Still, the new body style is still growing on me, but I definitely love mm-hmm. the, the 2015 plus body yeah. style. Uh, that's, why I, that's why I kept it, man. I just, I, <laughs> it's dirty. Um, it's got, you know, maybe 120,000 miles on it. And I just look at it and think, man, it's just a good looking truck. I like this yeah. truck. This is kind of the end of the show. I take, uh, I take a moment for you to, uh, plug anything you want, uh, say hi or mention anything that you want at this point in time well shoot man i mean i i guess i would i mean i don't i don't need to plug anything i i just say if, if anybody's interested in learning about post frame i mean i do share the process and you can definitely check out and maybe it'll be in the show notes or whatever uh, uh my youtube channel it's where i i mean i put out 30 minute videos once twice a week on the process and i try to just show you you know, how we do it, not the right way, just how we do it. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a great way for me to, to get better myself by seeing my inadequacies when I watch the video and I say, Oh, that doesn't look that good. But next time I better make that look good. Uh, so feel, feel free to watch them and comment and let me know what I'm doing wrong. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks for being on the show, Kyle. I really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, once again, I think our listeners appreciate it as well. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm glad we could make it work. And uh, yeah, wish the best of luck to you on your farm, man. All right, thank you very much.